Hey guys, it's May. We made it. And we're super excited to announce here on Mind Space Minimal our first annual May Movie Madness. You might be asking yourself, what the hell is that? I'll tell you. We are doing back to back episodes of Hypnosis and Film. So buckle up, strap in, and grab some popcorn because we've got a lot of fun movies coming your way. <laughs> One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, clap. Wow, you like rolled your eyes too. <laughs> and that's how over Sleeping Beauty we are. End of episode. Woo! This really is a sleep episode. Welcome to Mind Space Minimal, a podcast exploring the connections between consciousness, lifestyle, wellness, and aesthetics. We're your hosts. I'm Jessica Trofsky. And I'm Daniel Ryan. We hope you enjoy this episode. And today, our last episode of our May movie madness is... Happy last episode of our May Movie Madness. Happy last is Disney's Sleeping Beauty. And it's apropos because we are ending the month and we are beginning the next month with mm -hmm. a whole theme about sleep. Mm -hmm. So get cozy and ready to fall asleep for the mm -hmm. rest of the month. So get your blanket and your pillow and your favorite slippers mm -hmm. and cozy up. Yeah. Because we're, we're going to bed. And maybe, and especially with this movie, Sleeping Beauty, because yeah. it was very, uh, let's get into this. Let me just get this shit out of the way and then Jump we, in. we could Jump talk in. about the sleepiness yeah, of Yeah, we got, we got commentary and hot takes. Yeah. That's about it. Better sweet end to uh, the May movie madness. But sure. So this Disney dreamscape contains moments of grandeur with its lush colors, magical air, and one of the most menacing villains in the Disney canon. Couldn't agree with that more. So mm. the... Rotten Tomatoes, it says critics 89%, 80% audience. But, oh, and I think it's important to mention that this is Sleeping Beauty 1959. 1959. Yeah. Right. So Sleeping Beauty was the first animated film to be photographed in the Super Tecma 70 widescreen mm. process, as well as the second full-length animated feature film to be filmed in an anamorphic widescreen following Disney's Lady and the Tramp four years earlier, which I did not know this. The film was presented mm. in Super Technorama. <laughs> I'm sorry. In Super Technorama 70 and six channel stereophonic sound in the first run engagements. In 2019, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Why does it say or? Um, just in case, just covering, <laughs> covering their asses, I guess. I That's funny. You know, what's interesting about this. Mm. So just a synopsis, it, it says on one of these, I don't know if it was Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb. It says filled with jealousy, the evil witch Maleficent curses Princess Aurora to die on her 16th birthday, which like, what the fuck? 
Thanks to Aurora's guardian fairies, and they name them all, she only falls into a deep sleep that can be ended with a kiss from her betrothed, Prince <laughs> Philip. To prevent Philip oh, from rescuing Aurora, Maleficent kidnaps and imprisons him. The good fairies are the last hope to free Philip so that he can awaken Aurora. Okay. Sleeping Beauty, <laughs> 1959. Mm-hmm. This was beautiful looking. <laughs> yes, yes. And when it I was. turned it on, I made sure that it wasn't the reboot. And I don't know if they did a reboot. I didn't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't even you're like, I just hope this is the right Yeah, one. well I checked yeah. and I was like, this is same with me. 1959, but it makes sense with like like the technorama and the technicolor and the techno dream coat. I don't know. It's all the techs. all the techna made me Oh, okay. Yeah, this is 1959, right? We're about to go into the 60s. This is very 60s, like the colors, the shapes. Um, everything was very square in this movie, like because mm. we're you guys were taking a different approach with this episode because oh uh, yeah yeah actually just to back up for <laughs> yeah a um we're just gonna kind of uh bop around here and talk about it um. This is a, an exceptional movie, too. I mean, in the hypnosis and film library mm-hmm. of Mind Space Minimal, first of all, there's not a lot of hypnosis here necessarily we need to talk about. Right. Then besides that, the the plot of this movie, if we want to call it that, is really just a succession of sexist tropes and cliches out of the time, you know, just pulled from the worst possible psychology of the day and put into this animation in a way that is almost comic right you know by today's standards right. and other than that it's like a, a lsd fueled psychedelic fever dream yeah you know the rest of it it's uh which which to your point before which is absolutely true it's beautiful mm-hmm. the art style the music I yeah, just music get lost in the cell shading. Yeah, in the just a classic old Hollywood nostalgia that mm-hmm. is seeped into every cell of the animation is just like oozing. I love yeah, it. The movie. But other than that, like good luck fucking following this I movie. I had a I, tough time focusing. If if you know, I, after watching it, if somebody had told me, Dan, Dan, you passed out. What just happened? I'd be like, oh my God, I just had a dream about this lady <laughs> and this princess. And this uh, there's this guy there and this super sexist dad. Yeah. yeah it's just also, like, like, it's crazy. Okay, I'll go through the plot, but I just want to ask you, first of all, and the, the, the opening sequence, because that was the most focused I was. And then it all goes mm-hmm. to shit after this. But when I was yeah. watching the beginning of this movie, she's, Aurora is born. And she's a princess, right? Yeah. And then there's this, like, celebration about it. And then people come to give her gifts. But Maleficent, this witch, comes to curse her. It's like, who invited you? Like, And by the way, also, too, it's like, to give a just gift. like hanging out with the characters, too. It's also like, you know, Maleficent is clearly the coolest one. There. Yeah. Maleficent, out of everybody, it's like, 
okay, who hurt you? Yeah. But also, like, I would like to hang out with you. you yeah, know? like, I would like, of, of, of all the people there, you're the one I want to, like, go have a drink with and be like, you know, let's, let's share stories. Right. Let's chop it up. Let's, let's figure stuff but out. But then they you know? say after she comes, after Maleficent comes, she does one of those classic, what did she say? She brought her the, the birthday gift on, that on her 16th birthday, she shall prick her finger on a spindle and die. Like, thanks, but no thanks. Bye. But then the fairies go, oh, you know, the next person is going to bring another gift. Maybe they can bring the uncurse to this curse. And the fairies were like, no. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm done down. watching this movie. Like, in my mind, I think that's when I shut off. Because I was like, that doesn't make sense because they didn't propose a solution. So instead, and then this is another question I had for you. Because I was checking in and out this constant, throughout the constant mm-hmm. viewing of this film. So then they just take they they burn all the spindles right in the in the the village or whatever in the kingdom, but mm-hmm. they take the fairies they take their wings away so they're they are regular people but they still have their magic powers, and then they move her to the forest and they call her by the name Rose. So I can't recall was she cool with this? Oh, I have no idea. Did she know she was a princess? I'm sorry, Jessica. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I really, the, uh, what the hell? I watched this movie and glazed over. Yeah, yes. I mean, the hypnosis in film actually, maybe this is the most powerfully hypnotic movie in the history of film and right? cinema because I don't remember anything. It's relaxing I, sounding too because I was leaving it on. The ASMR response is undeniable, but it's literally like a mind wipe. There's not a lot of talking in this movie, and I can actually jump to some trivia just really quickly. I know we typically do this Let's at the go. end, but Let's go. second only to Dumbo, which was in 1941, mm. who didn't speak at all. This Disney title character has about 18 lines of actual dialogue through the entire film Wow! in which she appears in the film for 18 minutes and which is actually about the three fairies who protect her, not about Sleeping Beauty herself. Briar Rose, which is Aurora, her first line is spoken 19 minutes into the film and her last is delivered after she learns of her betrothed 93 minutes in. However, she does sing two songs during this time frame, which were beautiful, right? Mm. Um, and the very last sound she makes in the movie is when she arrives at the castle and is crying about never seeing her true love again. So there you go about why I think it's so hypnotic, too, because there's not a lot of speaking. There's a lot of reacting. Um, like, remember that that sleeping sequence towards the end where everybody's getting sleepy? Yeah, I was like, I'm tired. This is very sleepy. <laughs> and also, I guess yes. you can see why this yes. is a good movie for children. Oh, that's so true. Right? Oh, my gosh. The sleepy. I mean, was this movie covert propaganda to just get kids to go to sleep? Because if it was, okay. I think it's brilliant. Then. I tried to halfway through this movie, go and watch a cliff notes on YouTube about it. And yeah. this woman had such high energy. I couldn't handle her. But she started off with that it was like it had communist innuendos inside of it. And I was like, oh, I can't get into that right now, which I'm fine with it. Like, I want to hear about that. But I was like, I need to get I need beats. I need beats on this movie. So (laughs) here we go. Let's just go through what the wiki says and then let's be done with this. 
right. Did you like how much we care about our podcast? <laughs> Listen, it is a service to this podcast that we not belabor Sleeping Beauty today. It is a terrific service to you, dear listener, that we not sit here and stretch out these details. Okay. Please. So here we go. It's going to be a few minutes of me talking. I apologize in advance. I will lean back. Lean back. Okay. (laughs) After many childless years, King Stefan and Queen Leia welcome a daughter, the Princess Aurora. A holiday is proclaimed to pay homage to the princess. At her christening, Aurora is betrothed to Prince Philip, the son of the King Stefan's closest friend, King Hubert, to unite their kingdoms. Soon, the royal herald announces the arrival of three more guests, the three god fairies called Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether. Flora and Fauna bless Aurora with beauty and song, respectively, by Meriwether's gift, is interrupted by Maleficent, an evil witch who is furious about not being invited to the kingdom. Okay, I I understand why she's pissed now. Um, As retaliation, Maleficent... So it was FOMO. It was FOMO. She gave her a curse because of FOMO. Hilarious. That's it. Got it. Okay. Got it. As retaliation, Maleficent curses the princess, proclaiming Aurora will prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and die before the sun sets on her 16th birthday. (laughs) Although Maleficent's power is too strong to undo, Meriwether uses her gift to weaken the curse instead of dying Aurora will fall into a deep sleep until true love's kiss breaks the spell. Uh, okay, how can you do that? But whatever. She did it. Still concerned, mm-hmm. King Stefan orders all the spinning wheels in the kingdom to be burned. The fairies know that Maleficent will not rest until she gets her way, so they convince the king and queen to let Aurora live with them in a cottage hidden in the forest until she turns 16. <sighs> okay. Almost done. Aurora is re- <laughs> Aurora is renamed Briar Rose, which what? Briar? Yeah, Briar? I, okay. No idea. Yeah, no that's idea. what I'm saying. I have no idea. I'm I'm taking this at its word, Wiki. Um, so she's renamed Briar Rose, and she grows into a beautiful young woman. She does not know her guardian. Her she does not know her guardians are fairies. This is fucked up. Since they have disguised themselves (laughs) as peasants. On her 16th birthday, they ask her to go gather berries so they can prepare a surprise party. Aurora befriends the animals of the forest and sings them a song, Once Upon a Dream. Philip, now a handsome young man, follows Aurora's voice and is instantly struck by her beauty and grace. She is initially startled as she is not allowed to talk to strangers. But she and Philip fall in love, right? Of course. She invites him to meet her godmothers at the cottage that evening. Meanwhile, Meriwether and Flora argue over Aurora's gown color, which is just disgusting. That was the one thing that I I woke up a little bit during that. Their magic attracting the attention of Maleficent's raven Diablo. Returning home, Aurora is thrilled to tell her guardians that she has fallen in love. Not knowing that Prince Philip is the one, the fairies tell Aurora her true identity and that she is already betrothed. Diablo, the raven jerk, overhears the news and flies off to tell Maleficent. Heartbroken, Aurora cries in her room. Meanwhile, Philip tells his father he wishes to marry a peasant girl, despite his betrothal to the princess, to a princess. 
and Hubert is left devastated. The fairies take Aurora to the castle to await her birthday celebration and be reunited with her parents. Maleficent appears and lures Aurora into a dark tower with the spindle of a cursed spinning wheel, forcing Flora, Meriwether, and Fauna to try and stop her. But before they can, Aurora pricks her finger, fulfilling the curse only moments before the sun sets. When the fairies arrive too late to save Aurora, Maleficent taunts the three fairies in their efforts to defeat her and reveal the sleeping princess before she disappears. Feeling heartbroken about what has happened, the three fairies place the sleeping Aurora on a bed in the highest tower and cast a powerful spell on everyone in the kingdom, causing them to sleep until the spell on their princess is broken. Interesting. <laughs> After overhearing a brief sleepy conversation between the two kings, they realize that Philip is the man Aurora fell in love with within the forest. They rush to find him. But they were too late as they discovered Maleficent and her goons abducted him. At the Forbidden Mountains, Maleficent shows Philip, the sleeping Princess Aurora, and she and she says she will lock him away until he is an old man on the verge of death, which is what, 20? Only then will she release him to meet his love, who will not have aged a single day. Okay, so if I'm getting that right... So then she's going to release him when he's an old man, and then she'll she'll wake up and be like, ew. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Anyways, last, last paragraph. The fairies rescue Philip, arming him with the magical sword of truth and a shield of virtue and an escape from the Forbidden Mountains. An enraged Maleficent surrounds the castle with thorns, but fails to stop Philip. She confronts him directly, transforming into an enormous black dragon. They battle, and Philip throws the sword blessed by the fairies, directly into Maleficent's heart, killing her. Philip awakens Aurora with a kiss, breaking the spell and waking the kingdom. The royal couple descends to the ballroom where Aurora is reunited with her parents. Flora and Meriwether resume their dispute over Aurora's gown until it finally becomes blue, while the couple shares a dance and lives happily ever after. That's it. Ooh. Oh God, that was so much better than me going beat by beat in this movie. Because let me tell you, I couldn't. <laughs> can I ask you? Can I ask you one question, Jessica? Yeah. Here's the one question that I have for you. What is the moral of this story? My question is: <laughs> Is there a moral? A moral? There's a moil. Is there? There's. Is there a moil? I think that it's really. Oof. Like it was more like, what was the point of this story? Is my question to your question. Do you have an answer yes. to your own question? No, I think your question is the right one. Was there a moral to this story? I don't think there was. I mean, we can glean some stuff mm -hmm. and be like, uh, okay, I guess we should all wait for handsome young princes to come along and save us. Okay, there's well, one. yeah. Find find our three fairy godmothers, but make sure they erase their wings so nobody else knows there's a fairies. Okay, there's there's two. I mean, there's like you know, the only morals and messages and meanings we could actually glean from this story, I think, are insane and immoral with. And without application to real life. I don't know right. if they had any application in 1959. In fact, I think they probably did in some backwards way. Mm -hmm. But uh, Women need to be protected. But, 
maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some there's some stuff in there that we don't need to get into the weeds no. of today. Yeah, no, I'm not. For sure, though. Those 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 messages, though. Yes, socially and otherwise. But anyway, yeah, I don't think there was much of a moral there. Yeah, you know, hmm. And the thing with the prince, there was one part with the movie where she sent some other guy out on a horse. What was that about? I don't know. Who was that? <laughs> That's literally the voice. You just literally mimicked the voice in my head. I was like, who was that? I don't know. I don't know. He was like a fake guy that was going to go and like fake them out. The, you know, I wondered watching it how closely the making of this movie resembled Fantasia in yes. terms of team and timing because mm-hmm. it has that again that psychedelic kind of fever dreamy yeah. quality to it that is that lacks in positive ways that does not have a, a three-act structure and that does unique things mm-hmm. with its characters and storytelling and has you know a, a freedom in terms of just magic is concerned um, yeah, then- but this this movie tries to I don't know, bridge something that by today's standards, I don't think it really gets there. Do you think there's any, what was the point, the takeaway for you with this movie? Like, what was its point? I mean, not to be meta with it, but like, I am now more interested in this movie as propaganda to make children take naps. Mm. I think this movie, uh, you know, I think, I think just talk about the context i think this movie came out in the golden age of animation in hollywood and historically as the library of congress has you know uh made clear has significance but yeah i don't think i don't know i mean in today's world this movie is just like it's a historical Mm -hmm. piece that is beautiful but i don't think has much relevance they said quote culturally historically or aesthetically significant. They're not sure. One or the other. It's like, what? What? Yeah. But anyways, I mean, hmm. Let me just think one more second on that. So yeah. if there's a moral to it, I don't, I say no. I don't know what the <laughs> point is of the of the film other than it's like a, a, a piece of art. Yes, yeah. for sure. It's a show off of. Like, I still can't believe that that was 1959. I mean, it looks so superior, like, aesthetically. Artistically, Mm -hmm. it is without comparison. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is as special as all of Disney's early work. Is there anything in particular that stood out to you, whether it's something in the plot, something, anything? Well, again, Maleficent. It's not surprising to me that they broke her out for her own movies. In, in the you know modern Disney stuff, mm-hmm. her character is the coolest part I think by far. You know, I, I, it's her. She's the character in the movie that actually has depth. Yeah, she's the, the villain, she's the again. one. Yeah, and, and that's so funny and consistent with Disney movies. I mean, Cruella Deville and Maleficent and Ursula and the Little Mermaid, yeah. like we were talking about before. The villains are usually the characters that have depth and interesting 
interesting character arcs in mm-hmm. that they have character arcs and have some depth and you know something again it's like who hurt right. you but it's like something happened to them they have some trauma that you want to kind of know about so maleficent's the coolest character okay. yeah she's a villain she's not like somebody that i would morally align <laughs> with necessarily the way she wants to curse the child or whatever the she, fuck she's, she's trying to do at the top she is definitely like she i mean so, didn't get invited to the kingdom party well yeah yeah totally That's, and i mean the kingdom may have been kind of rude to her i bet you that maleficent went on a date with the king or something and it didn't go well oh, or something like that or and and there she was just like oh and now you're not going to invite me to the party i'm part of this kingdom too now i'm going to curse it bye like <laughs> i get that i could see where she's coming yeah. from but that's why i think like these movies when they're trying to paint things good and bad i think they fall short of like the nuance of morality does that make sense oh yeah oh perfect well i mean it's yes makes perfect sense it is the classic pitfall Mm -hmm. of these not only animated or children's movies but even science fiction you know the first of all you create a binary Mm -hmm. you know good versus evil setup that to your point completely lacks nuance completely lacks any kind of gray areas in the middle and it also totally others Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if we're going to have a 100 percent clear light side that is good and virtuous and everything else, then we have this, you know, completely, quote unquote, dark mm-hmm. side that is always evil and villainous and uh, wants bad things and everything else. So, you know, it, it others the shadow side, which in Jungian psychology and most of psychology is A, not bad, and B, necessary to mm-hmm. life. And don't you think, too, that it makes the, quote, good people, just, they just come off as ignorant. Like, when I watch this as an adult, I'm like, Maleficent was super intelligent, even though she was like, you know, had some resentment she had a plan exactly. you know you can't yeah. say that for anybody else she had an axe to grind and she used her intelligence and her magic to do so but it just makes people that are like the innocent ones come across like not sympathetic they just seem like ignorant and victimy and when i go through these disney movies it's just like oh you're dumb Now you're out in the forest and you're singing and like, I don't know. I like those parts, though. But I'm just saying. Okay, so moving right along swiftly. Here we go. What do you think about the part with the please tie this to hypnosis? (laughs) (laughs) In general? Yeah. Like, why was this movie? This fell under our category. Um, Well, I have two reasons now, and one is in the meta, and the other is in the movie itself. So let's start within the movie itself, the content. Maleficent, and this, you know, actually continues to amaze me as we go back through some of these old Disney movies from the 90s and earlier. So many of these movies are fixated with mind control and totally these movies are fixated with you know dark 
characters and villains who want to control your mind and want to control your thoughts and get inside your head and all of this stuff. Uh, They're always like very sleepy or like you're thinking, you know, like all it's like very much about hocus pocus magic mind control. You're totally right. Yeah. And it always has that psychological thread. It's always about the mind. It's never like I'm going to lock you in my basement and make you my slave. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's like I'm going (laughs) to. Well, okay, Yeah. okay. You got me there. You got me there. Um, it, it's more of a, I'm going to control your mind. It's like, a, I'm going to get inside your head mm-hmm. and your psychology and it's, which is simultaneously scarier and also more dramatic, I guess, maybe in some ways. But so it has that, it has that angle. Maleficent is all about mind control and stuff like that. And the green, green magic ball that she projects into somebody's head and stuff like mm-hmm. that. There's these really primitive, really early mid 20th century. When I say early, I mean like early to uh, mental health care and early kind of clinical hypnosis depictions of mind control in Sleeping Beauty. And then Sleeping Beauty, actually, hypnosis comes from Greek roots, hypnosis and gnosis, which means sleeping knowledge, sleeping beauty, all the focus on sleep. There is this, again, it's somewhat subtextual, but it's, there's this focus on the sleep world and dreams and euphoria that, again, you know, as hypnosis was really gaining popularity, notoriety, and controversy Mm -hmm. in the late 1950s, exactly when this movie comes out. You know, this movie's all about this dreamlike sleep experience that is half torture, half a woman finding her true love. Uh, And, you know, hypnosis is all also about our unconscious mind. I thought you were going to say finding your true love. <laughs> Torture and finding your true love. Uh, it's all about your, you know, the subconscious and the unconscious and you know, sleeping knowledge and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. So there's all of these interesting connective threads actually mm-hmm. that point back and forth to each other from hypnosis to this movie, even though the actual depictions or presence of hypnosis in this movie is very scant. Well, now it's actually making me think that hypnosis as a a, a concept and a construct kind mm. of being weaved conceptually through all of these Disney films has been part of the bad PR for hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Think about it. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, the per- no one wants their mind controlled. The peripheral associations from, quote unquote, in exactly these words, mind control to hypnosis are undeniable. And you're absolutely right. And, you know, there's, I don't know if I'd call it controversy, but there's argument around mind control is a subject you know some people would say you absolutely can control people's minds and others would say 
that concept is absurd and asinine and we shouldn't even be talking about it because it makes people afraid of something that can't exist. Again, the truth is more nuanced, of course, like everything we've been saying, you know, but, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, definitely listen, this is all again, a time when fear around these subjects was perpetuated more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, Just the way this movie's doing. But I would say, you know, since we're, ending this series and beginning a new month (laughs) why not start with watching this film before bedtime not while you're in bed but before bedtime get sleepy turn off your devices it's it's an interesting sleep aid go to bed Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's like the cbd of disney films next to fantasia i don't know what would you say fantasia has a lot of music in it so maybe not but very relaxing to watch very stressful because i was trying to take notes at first and i was like i can't this needs to just wash over me (laughs) yeah you know and and you're wondering you're like did i miss like three plot points or is just this movie just go i know so uh, okay let's wrap final thoughts trivia let's let's bring it together okay here we go so let's bring this to a close with some trivia the fairy tale book used in the beginning of the movie was real and was handmade by Ivan Earl, the man responsible for the entire look and feel of the movie. It was restored mm. in 2008 and is displayed sometimes during public events. So that's weird and cool. Um, Eleanor Aldi is one of Walt Disney's favorite voice artists, most memorably as Lady Lady Tremaine in Cinderella. Lady Tremaine? Mm. Do you know that name? I don't nope. know. Sorry, I'm saying this wrong, but mostly memorably as Lady Tourraine in Cinderella, 1950. Initially turned down the part of Maleficent. Wow. Much to Disney's surprise. As it later transpired, Audley was in the midst of battling a bout of tuberculosis and didn't want to tax her voice too much. Fortunately, she recovered and accepted the part. So that is her voice. Glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. One of the film's iconic scenes when Briar Rose Aurora meets Prince Philip for the first time to the tune of Once Upon a Dream was called, quote, Sequence 8 when it was being produced. It was a particularly hard sequence to get right. Walt Disney rejected it several times and ultimately had to be done four times, almost bankrupting the studio in the process. How about that? Why do I love this man after reading that? you got to get the shot. Yeah, I just got done um, watching Halston, the series on Netflix. How is it? It's great. But like, I've always been obsessed with him and watched the documentaries about him. So this reminds, this is like a Halston move. Like, I don't care if I bankrupt shit. Like, this is my art. So I'm with you, Walt, Hmm. and your frozen head. So Walt Disney's constant mantra Mm -hmm. to his animators was that the film could not be like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs from 1937. But don't you feel like it had that vibe and that's probably why he kept saying that? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I don't care, but yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, this is the only Disney movie made with square trees, which I pointed out that the movie was very square. Yes, it was. It was very angular. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, Princess Aurora's long, thin, willowy body shape was inspired by that of Audrey Hepburn. 
Aurora's hair does not stay sunshine gold throughout. Rather, it alternates between flesh and peach color. There are only a few scenes that she actually has gold hair. Interesting. Mm. And then there's a hidden Mickey. When we were talking about hidden things in these Disney films, Mm -hmm. there's a hidden Mickey. When the fairies discuss how to help the king and queen, Meriwether makes cookies in the shape of Mickey Mouse. Huh, nice. I didn't catch that. No. I was somewhere else. Yeah. No. In my my brain. Then the last thing is that this movie was the last fairy tale produced by the studio until The Little Mermaid in 1989, 30 years later. Fairy tale is right. So in fairness, coming back to some of our criticisms, it's a fairy tale. So mm-hmm. I, let's, you know, the categorization, categorization of that is important. Mm-hmm. But that's funny that we just watched Little Mer- Little Mermaid too. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Final thoughts. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I it was it wasn't a wild ride. It was beautiful. Yeah. So I would highly recommend people going back and watching this movie just to observe its beauty mm-hmm. and if you have children absolutely turn this on for your kids because yeah, see what happens they might just take a nap yeah and on a scale of none to fun how much fun did you have watching this movie i'm gonna go like five out of ten i'm with you i'm gonna go five out of ten yeah and then my last question for you is where does it lay on the hypnosis scale like two out of ten okay and put it way low past life regression zero. uh <laughs> past life regression zero. i was having a past life regression during I, I, watching yeah i know me too rethinking that you know the hypnosis scale with this one it might be more like a five or six because the subliminal stuff i actually think is the most powerful thing mm. if i went back and watched it just looking for the meta I think that there's a chance that it might be brilliant, but yeah, but just uh, this time, maybe like, we eh. could branch off into subliminal categories we should, too with some of these movies. That's its own episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you love all the rooming happening outside my house right now? I assume there's a street race, or either that it's or a, they're filming Fast and Furious. Yeah, it's or Tokyo Drift outside right now. There's like burnouts and donuts sounds happening. I hope they're wearing helmets. I hope they're being safe. <laughs> well, this doesn't sound safe. You know, this film. I don't know what. To, I don't know That's how it. to end this episode. Yeah, Please. let's go take a nap. I think yeah. after that, some nap some time. sleeping beauty. All right. Yeah. We're done. And thank you for being with us in this episode of Mind Space Minimal. Good night, guys. Good night. Visit us at MindSpaceMinimal.com and email us at MindSpaceMinimal at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.